Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer one, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo, or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. We must must be a a team, team. one with with one one purpose purpose only. Everyone Everyone thinking only of company. We will begin with our morning exercises. Jumping Jack. How do you think things are going at the factory? Honestly, Cash? Yes, please. Not too well. See, you're stateside now, fellas, and tell you the truth, you're still acting like a bunch of Yokohama mamas. No offense. None taken. Can I I be frank for a second? If you walk out that door, you're going to miss a great comeback. We're ready to roll here, Jack. This will never be like a Japanese factory, Jack. Oh, yeah? You're right. You know what else? So what? You failed. Really? Want to know something? I got one of the first cars ever made here. I got the first card. I don't think I want it anymore. As a matter of fact, here. Why don't you take the keys, okay? I'd rather have one of those cars. I'd rather have one of these cars we made together by hand. Your guys and my guys together. You know why? Because those cars stand for something. Those cars stand for something pretty great. I'm proud of those cars. I'm taking one. Gentlemen, I'm going home in my new car. I thought it handled great. I like you. You make me laugh. I don't see anything wrong with these cars. Are you crazy? Congratulations! 15,000 cars! Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. 
we enter the way back and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. This is Sterling Moss and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in sparkling downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. If you miss any of our past shows, be sure and check out our podcast, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. That would be Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports. How you doing, Chris? Happy, what is it? St. Patty's Day, right? Top of the morning to you there, laddie. <laughs> I am uh, not Irish, but are you? I think I'm a wee bit Irish, yes. <laughs> you wee bit Irish. Okay, Father Chris. <laughs> I'd like to go get some cornbread. Cornbread. Yeah, hooligan. I'm a bit hungry. <laughs> I haven't a, had anything to eat all day. You're working on that accent, huh? Doing pretty I've, good. I've been trying. Okay. I've been trying all day. It's tough. It's hard work. Okay, well, anyway, yeah, that's right It is uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th It's hard to believe Anyway, this past weekend, we had a spectacular week In, at, Amelia Island Let me give you a little rundown What we did here Of course, you know that uh, Sunday was a big concourse And um, Thursday Let's see, well, I drove up there Well, I stayed here late uh, Tuesday night Had to get my show kind of dialed in And then uh, Wednesday, I boogied up to uh, Amelia Island As soon as I got there I uh, had to start checking in cars, checking VIN numbers and all that stuff for um, our special auction that we were doing with Hollywood Wheels, Amelia Island Select, and the Auto Retro All Porsche Show, our Porsche auction. And I got to tell you, that was pretty cool. We had 53 Porsches. We had That was on Friday. And then we had, uh, we had close to 100. I think we had 90, 80, 85 or 90 American Classics, some European cars, some sports cars. Uh, we had, um, I think the oldest thing we had was a 19, well, actually it was a, the real live car was a 1928 Chrysler, but the oldest car that we had was a 1904 Thomas Flyer. And it was basically a recreation of the, off the original blueprints and original components that were sourced. So some of the stuff was NOS. I mean, a lot of it was, and it was kind of, the rest of the stuff was hand fabricated to replicate a Vanderbilt cup. Touring Roadster, Touring Speedster, I think that's what, it, what they would have called them back in the day. This thing's massive. I mean, the thing's almost 20 feet long. It's huge, and it weighs a ton. I mean, that's all steel and all iron, cast iron block. I mean, there's no aluminum in that car. There's a lot of brass in there, too. The brass trim, the uh, mechanicals on there. Um, the carburetor, obviously, is pop metal or aluminum, whatever. But uh, beautiful, beautiful car. If you go to our website, HollywoodWheels.com, you can... Uh, See a really nice picture of that vehicle. Uh, it was yellow, bright yellow. We actually had that car at Festivals of Speed a couple uh, months ago back in uh, December. We had it at the Ritz. But anyway, so uh, Thursday what I did is I headed up to Bonhams because they had the Bonhams auction in the morning. So I went up there for a part of the memorabilia and some of the early cars that went off. And they had some nice cars up there. They, too, had Porsches, Jaguars. They had some cars that were basically original, unrestored, which 
is kind of the cars that I kind of gravitate to. They had a Jaguar that was uh, a couple of Jags actually were kind of survivor quality cars. And uh, and then Wayne Carini was up there. Wayne Carini was up there with like I think a '63 or four Lincoln, might have been a '63 white convertible, black interior. And he's having a little trouble starting it. So me and a couple of guys were over there. And you know it's TV, so they were filming it. And I'm not sure if it was supposed to start or not. But I didn't really get involved. But a couple of us were standing over there saying, "Well, gee whiz, you know, I mean, choke it, gag it, you know, put your hand over the carburetor, put some fuel down there first. Obviously, you want to check and see if you got spark, which ultimately they did. They pull the distributor cap off, and he was looking to see if he had some spark. They had spark. But the car wouldn't start, and I think eventually they got it running. But, you know, hey, if you see it on TV about four or five months down the road, I was there. Wasn't in the film, but I was watching. But I checked out some of the cars they had. They had some nice Heelys. They had some Ferraris. They had uh, a number of really cool cars there. They had some vintage stuff. But I was more or less interested in in the Porsches and uh, and to, just to check out and see what the competition was doing. But they had a nice buffet in the morning. There was a lot of people there, and they had a really good crowd. So uh, Bonhams was basically, as you go in, if you get to Amelia Island, you turn right on Amelia Island Parkway. They were right there by the airport. They were the first auction you came. They actually almost, in my opinion, had the best seat in the house because you couldn't miss them. And then uh, Friday was Goodings, Goodings Auction, and they had a number of cars. They, too, had uh, a, a bunch of older Porsches. One in particular was a 1958 Porsche, black plate car found who knows where, and uh, just really nice kind of, you know, had that right that right look, you know, like it had been sitting in the guy's garage for, for 40 years and had a bunch of stuff piled on top of it, which that's my kind of car, you know. I looked at it, and uh, me and a couple other guys were checking it all out, and it looked fairly correct. And contrary to what people say, and I say this all the time, the best cars, and Jeff, uh, uh, what's his last name, Jeff from uh, the Car Chasers, uh, he concurs. You know, his his cliche is the best is in the West, and the cars just don't rust out there. You look at these cars here in Florida and from the Rust Belt and the Southeast, those cars just, you know, they just, they, they rot. Yeah, it's just the way it is. But this was a 1958 Porsche 356, 1600 normal, and uh, no rust in the floors, no rust in the rockers, no rust in the pans, just nice, you know, just solid. You know, the doors open and close like, they, like the car rolled off the assembly line. I didn't pay any attention to the miles or anything like that because it really doesn't matter because half the time they're clocked anyway or they quit or what not, you know. So I don't put a lot of faith in mileage. And um, But it was a nice car, fairly correct. had the right Zenith air cleaners on it and uh, the Connect ones. Or it had right Zenith carburetors and Connect air cleaners, I should say, the wire mesh ones, which I'm actually looking for a set of those. And uh, so it was a nice car. There was a Jaguar E-Type that was there that was very similar. They had a real nice um, 911 Carrera that was there that was a um, RS car. That brought some serious money. They had a couple of race cars there. It had a 934. That brought a million, too. The Carrera brought, uh, the RS Lightweight brought, geez, I think that brought like a million, too, also. Um, there was another car that was there that I really like a lot, and it's one of my favorites, and it's a 1966-67 Ferrari 330 GTC, which is a transaxle car. Now, later in the show, we're going to have a guest on, and this gentleman is Italian, is from Italy, and has had an amazing career with one of my favorite uh, Italian car companies, Lamborghini. And uh, as a matter of fact, there was a Lamborghini 350 GT there. Matter of fact, there was three of them. At the well, there was 350 GTs, 400 interim cars, and then a 400 GT. There was a number of those cars at the concourse on Sunday, so they had some pretty interesting cars. And if you really, really, really like exotic cars, uh, I can I cannot overemphasize it. You know, again, you need to go to Scottsdale, you need to go to Amelia, you need to go to Monterey, and you need to go to uh, SEMA. 
But at any rate, so Friday afternoon, I had once we got done with uh, the Goodings, I was there for a few hours. They have a again, they have a great breakfast there in the morning. It's just a, the place to meet people. You know, anybody that's anybody that's into this stuff. And these auctions, by the way, you know, RM Gooding. Uh, Bonhams are very clicky, you know, so it's the same people that travel around. You might have a thousand people that show up for these auctions, but really you only have about a hundred people that are serious buyers. The rest of the people there are just for support, so to speak, or there's people there just to check out the cars because the cars are absolutely incredible. It's amazing for the 30, 40, 50 bucks or whatever it costs to get in there. It's really not a bad deal. You know, it's a quick way to get in, get out and kind of watch the market a little bit and, you know, do a little hobnobbing and stuff. So it was far out. Anyway, our Porsche auction started at 2 o'clock, so as soon as I left uh, Gooding, I had to boogie up to our auction at the Omni Plantation Resort, and we were in the ballroom. And we had a very, very good crowd. And I will say, out of all the auctions on the island, uh, our auction was probably one of the classiest because we had our whole corridors lined with race cars. We had 962, 935s. We had a 934 there. We had uh, early 911. We had a 2002, 2003 GT2 Porsche cars there. We had a stunning 2005-997 coupe. Tiptronic car, lady-owned, 46,000 original miles. Gorgeous car. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Then inside the ballroom there, we had, uh, on the left side, we had all the 356s from pre-A's to A's, to B's, to C's, uh, coupes, cabs. We even had a 58 Speedster. On the right side of the, the floor, we had um, 930 turbos. We had early 911s, long hood cars. We had short hood cars. Uh, we had a 1975 Carrera, which is kind of a rare car to see at all. We had three 930s. We had two 930s inside, 179, 188, and I think there was a 79 Euro car outside. There was a 1967 or 68 911 Targa uh, that was outside, a beautiful car, soft window car, very rare. And uh, But we had a lot of 911s, 911Ss, and a few 911Es. So the crowd was going. The What was interesting is we they started off with the auctioneer, and they had a reader. And the reader was, he was okay. He just wasn't, what I would say, very commanding, you know. And uh, so the owner of the auction company, kind of upon a little request, I, I would say, uh, asked me if I would be interested in, if, I, if he thought I could do that. Now, I've never read before at an auction. And it's one thing if I'm sitting behind a mic in a studio. I don't really have mic fright anymore like I did four and a half, five years ago. By the way, we're coming on our five-year anniversary here on May 13th. Okay, So we're going to have my five-year anniversary celebration. So that's going to be our really cool show. But at any rate, so I said, yeah, sure, I could probably do that. He says, well, go change your shirt because I was wearing just a kind of a nice dress shirt. So I flipped on a Million Island Select slash Auto Retro shirt. I jumped up on stage, and I looked out in the audience and I didn't panic. I just started looking at the cars, and I just started rattling them off. And uh, I had actually had a lot of fun. I mean, the uh, I didn't do it like a typical reader. A typical reader would sit there and go, okay, we have a 1966-911. It is blue. It has leather interior. It has chrome wheels. It has a fresh paint job. It's got a six-cylinder motor. It's got Solix. <laughs> Very good, Chris. I like that. But anyway, so meanwhile, I'm up there going, hey, ladies and gentlemen, over here to the left, to my left, you're right, we have this beautiful, stunning, absolutely meticulously restored 1966 Porsche. Look at this rare Aussie blue tan leather interior. It's got uh, headrests. It had Hello 128 lights. It's got European headlights, uh, rare sunroof, blah, 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 blah. And just kind of like I looked at the car. Of course, now keep in mind, I wrote most of the descriptions for the catalog, so I was relatively familiar with the cars. But then again, I'm familiar with Porsches anyway. So uh, we rattled through that, and I think I picked up like around number 15, 16, 18, or whatever it was, you know, and we went all the way to 53. 
And what was interesting, you're up there and your your adrenaline's going, the crowd's going, and you can kind of invigorate everybody. So that's what I thought made a lot of sense because, like I said, typically they guys sit there and they bore you to death. You know, then the auctioneer goes, whatever they do. And it's like, you know, we should have that. And we should have, I think somewhere I got a clip. Of a an auctioneer. an auctioneer, yeah, it's in one of mine. It's probably three dollars, three dollars, four dollars, four dollars, whatever, four dollars, four dollars, five dollars, five dollars, five dollars, five dollars, right there, five twenty-five, seven hundred thirty. Yeah, well, they're in the thousands. They're like thirty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand. Anyway, so just add a couple zeros. Why you got to throw me under the bus like that? I didn't throw you under the. Jeez. I didn't throw you under the uh, St. Patty's Day bus. <laughs> it's a big bus. It's got lots of wheels on it. Okay, lad. Hey, you go up there, Keith Slater. A 72 pound daughter down ready to get down to T2 on ready to get down 72 A 72 pound daughter down ready to get up honey he's already in I dare to get down 72 to I get in the muscle lounge at 70 now two A 72 pound daughter now done last call 72 pounds you gotta go 71 two Hey get back to the ratio Okay <laughs> you do that pretty good Let's get to the ratio I will talk like a German because uh, I can do a German accent much better than I can Hit always after me lucky charms <laughs> lucky charm and your friend yeah Hit me pot of gold <laughs> Anyway um, so I read and I actually had a pretty good time at it and um, so afterwards you know we had our big little banquet party because we had to clear out the uh, small ballroom then we went to the big ballroom and then we had the festivals of speed slash Hollywood Wheels Amelia Island select auto retro uh, shebang so to speak and, and that was a lot of fun too it's pretty cool anyway um, what else we did oh yeah then the next day I went to festivals of speed I emceed for a little bit I got a phone call they said hey we need you over here and I go what do you mean you need me over there I'm supposed to be emceeing over here nope we need you over here to read I go really yeah we need you over here like uh, ASAP boom in the car over there well I finished up I left it like around 1130 or something like that and then I so I was basically there for like two hours then I went over there, and again, I got up on stage. Uh, I had to go to the little room where the little bosses were hanging out, and I had to. We had like a little roundtable discussion as to what how it was going to go down. But I did something a little bit differently. I made a kind of little disclaimer at the beginning of the auction while I was out there by myself, and I basically just wanted people to know that hey, look, we got some really cool cars, we got some stunning cars, we got some show cars, and we got some drivers. You know, because a lot of times everybody thinks that everything at the auction is perfect. They're not. They're they're auction cars. You know, some of them are dealer cars, some are collector cars, but they're old and they're mechanical. They're not perfect. So look at the cars. The cars sell themselves and then i said if you ladies and gentlemen have any questions please feel free to just come up here and, and ask next thing i know i got a line of like seven or eight people standing in front of me all asking questions so it was pretty cool you know and uh so the auction started we were about uh 10 15 minutes uh late you know but that's no big deal that's not uncommon and uh so there i was for six hours standing on my feet reading descriptions of cars and trying to build excitement. And I got to tell you, I truly, truly enjoyed it. So uh, my hat's off to the folks and the family. Uh, big shout out to Kelly. Big shout out to Mike. Big shout out to John. Big shout out to Hook. Big shout out to Dennis. You know, all the guys that helped out at Hollywood Wheels, they did a great job. I had a good time. You know, special thanks to all our guests. Special thanks to all our consigners, our bidders. It was a lot of fun. I really, truly enjoyed it. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Anyway, uh, we're going to go take a little, uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, then, then there was Amelia Island, you know, the Amelia Island Sunday, 
was uh, I forgot about that. Amelia Island Sunday was absolutely incredible. And I had again, I had a chance to meet some very interesting people, which I typically do. Uh, I love going to the media room because if you go to the media room around lunchtime or breakfast, you know, you, they, which they have brunch, so to speak, you never know who's going to walk in there. I met, I uh, hung out with uh, Peter Clute from uh, Legendary from from Legendary Motor Cars or Dream Car Garage, which was on TV a long time ago. I was talking to Chuck Cantwell. You know, he was a good friend of mine with Shelby American. He's the uh, he was the um, in charge of the whole GT350 program. We're going to have him on the show. I ran into Bob Scanlon. Bob Scanlon is the uh, general manager for Velocity, so we're going to have him on the show because he's talking about really cool stuff. Uh, again, I, I got a chance to take a picture with and talk a few minutes with Sterling Moss, but he was inundated with a lot of people. He was the guest of honor. He was there 20 years ago, and he was there to uh, last weekend, and it was to commemorate the 20th anniversary. There was a lot of stuff going on. There's seminars. There's... Uh, just just a selection of cars. The car, I mean, they had this really cool hot rod selection. It was kind of east meets west. You could actually see the transition the way the guys out west do the cars versus the guys on the east coast. They had the cowboy cars. It was Roy Rogers' car was there. Gene Autry's car was there, and there was a car there that was owned by uh, Kid Rock, and it was um, built initially for. Um, Hank Williams Jr. It was a '63 or '64 Pontiac, and I think the Dale Evans Roy Rogers car was a '60 '63 Pontiac. Uh, convertible, Bonneville convertible. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and the usual Porsche race cars, Ferrari race cars, GT40s, a huge collection of Stutzes. I mean, there was probably about 20 or 30 of them. I was hanging out with Corky Coker, good buddy of mine, Coker Tire. You know, it's just the place you go where you meet everybody. You hear me talking about this all the time. And uh, it's truly, truly, truly the place to go because nowhere else on the planet besides places like Amelia Island and, and uh, Scottsdale and uh, – Monterey and SEMA, are you going to meet those people? That's where the car people, the who's who in the industry, that's where they frequent. And and they're very approachable. They're very casual. Uh, Ed Welburn from GM, he was there. I talked to him for a few minutes. Wayne Cherry, former GM, had a design for General Motors. Steve Pastoner also worked for General Motors Design, designed the Buick GSs and the Grand Nationals. So you really meet some interesting people. Wayne Carini was running around there, but he was real busy. He was, he was uh, running around like a one-on paper, paper hanger. Uh, just just incredible, incredible, incredible opportunity to, to see some stunning cars. The the show cars that they had or the uh, concept cars, they had a selection of those. Really wicked stuff again. If you get a chance, go visit the website, Amelia Island Concourse. Cool stuff. Don't forget to check out our website, Hollywood Wheels. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, I think we're going to we get someone at the table. Hey, yo. Now, this song is by a gentleman by the name of Rocky Roberts. Rocky Roberts was a uh, guy that was an American that basically found fame and fortune singing in Italy and in Europe during the 60s. So this is kind of a cool old song. I remember this as a kid. It's called uh, Can't Ask No More by Rocky Roberts. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We have a special guest for you.
This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you.
name is Piero Rivolta, President of Rivolta Group, and uh, I love to listen to nostalgic radio and cars. Is the Italian job. A seat in chaos, a smash and grab raid, and four million dollars. Four million dollars? I think we could take that over, Roger. Go! You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! I've got a job lined up. Get out of here. It's, it's all here. Maps, drawings, plans, everything. You've been put up to this, haven't you? You've been bribed to upset my natural rhythm and ruin my health. Michael Caine does the Italian job on the outside. Masterminding the job from the inside, Noel Coward. Two gentlemen on the job. Does Mr. Bridget think he can take over Europe from a prison cell? Wait till you see them Italian birds. Oh, they're big. I like them big. Really? <laughs> big. Big. Also on the Italian job, Raffa Tony Beckley, Maggie Bly, Rosano Brazzi. I want Charlie Croker given a good going over. Hello, Charlie. Lovely, Charlie. Nice, Charlie. Good to see you, Charlie. Um, now, what would you like? <laughs> Everything. Hey! Knock that bloody water cannon out! Tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest of the evening. This gentleman probably has probably one of the most ideal jobs in the world. He is the factory test driver for one of the most famous, iconic Italian marks in the world, the legendary Lamborghini. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Valentino Balboni. Valentino, buonasera. Buonasera, buonasera everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, thank you. How you doing tonight? Did you catch the movie? I played the movie, The Italian Job, because at the very beginning, they destroyed a Lamborghini Miura. 
Correct. Met... Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well. Fortunately, it was only it was only <laughs> a movie. A movie. Let's say. I mean, they didn't really de de destroy the mural. This was only prepared. You know, it was only for show. Do you remember? Were you involved in it at all? Did, did Lamborghini actually supply the car, or was that a dummy car, or what was the story on that? Well, no, the story, I mean, the Mura is real, the one used on a, on a movie, it's real, and it, it became very, very popular car lately, and uh, became very popular because, you know, it was, uh, the car of that movie was discovered, and and the guy bought the car for a huge amount of money. <laughs> anyway, anyway, no, this was a real car, uh, this was a 67, 68 at the beginning of the production, and I remember when we prepared the car, and a friend of mine drove the car from the company to, to I think, was uh, Stelvio Pass, where, where they, they used the car for a movie. But the car destroyed in an accident was, <laughs> was a car already destroyed before for some other reason. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Valentino, tell us a little bit about your, your background. How did you get the ideal job to be the factory test driver for Lamborghini? Well, is <laughs> a is a story which is going on since forty five years. <laughs> I started after the school as a mechanic apprentice because my my dad, of course, wanted me to do something, and I ended up uh, one day driving through the company with the priest of my village. You know, the priest of my village was born in Sant'Agata Bolognese, where the company is, is still based today. And, uh, and this priest one day told me, I am going to visit my parents in Santagata. You want to join me? So I went with him on his Fiat 500. I mean, uh, the old Fiat 500. And when we drove past the company, I told him, well, stop here. I want to see those beautiful cars outside the company. And uh, so the priest stopped. I went out and I went inside the co inside the company. It was not inside, but was just on a parking lot. It was a truck downloading Miura bodies coming from Bertone, from Carrozzeria Bertone, where were uh, been assembled. So, you know, I started looking at those beautiful cars, uh, actually not real cars at the moment, but bodies, painted beautiful bodies, and I said, and I was looking, and the man came out of the company and he started pushing those bodies inside. And you know, for some instinct, I was helping this man and talking to him and pushing the car inside the company, pushing the bodies. So finally, when we pushed in last car on the way out, the man at the security, which was a good friend of Ferruccio Lamborghini, started yelling on me because I wasn't supposed to come out of the company. I was not employed, and he started to play a big, important role with me, and I was feeling very, very bad. And then the man told me, well, well, listen, I am joking. Now uh, fill up this employment form, and uh, so I did. And after a week, I was employed at Automobile Lamborghini as my first work after the schools. Yes, this was this was uh, how it happened. Me being at Lamborghini 45 years, you know, this was really something that uh, I mean I never expected, and uh, 
only because the priest told me I'm going to visit my parents in Santagata. You want to join me? I said, okay, let's go. And this is how the story started. Exactly this is the way how the story started. How many people were employed at Lamborghini back then in 19... Let's see, it was 1967, 68? Is that when this was? 68. It was 1968. I, see, I was number 87 on the time card. You know, we had the time card on mm-hmm. those days. And I was number 87. <laughs> so imagine, I think, uh, maybe, maybe 90, 100 people, you know, something like that. Very, very small family. What was Ferruccio Lamborghini like? What type of a man was he? And did he, how did he work with his employees? Well, Ferruccio Lamborghini, <laughs> he was, uh, let's say, kind of unique man. Uh, with a lot of charisma, a lot of... Uh, let's say, uh, able to convince people to do everything. And, uh, you know, very strong character. And for him, nothing was impossible. You know, he always was extremely demanding to the engineers to do things that nobody nobody was thinking about. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't really prepared. But, but you know, a lot of good ideas. He was kind of volcanic character, you know, always, always thinking thinking to do to do something different and then special and i can't forget first time i met him it was one of my first day at the company and i remember sitting at the office uh, talking to the general director of the company well actually was the only director of the company he was in charge for production he was in charge for human resources he was the only man in charge for everything at the company and he was asking me what I could do, what I would like to do, because it was me and another young guy. And uh, so talking to this man, I told, well, I would like to go on a service department. And my friend chose to go on a production line. And while having this kind of, let's say, discussion, the door of the office suddenly opens and the man comes in with a cigarette on his mouth, you know, Really, really, let's say I would say upset or whatever, looking like, like looking like upset, and he started yelling, saying, "We don't want people to talk. We want people to work." And he slammed the door and he went away. And the man, the, the director in front of us, told us, "Guys, you just met Ferruccio Lamborghini," and this was the first time I saw him. Wow. Did he, would, now he was responsible for the original Lamborghini 350 GT, and as the story goes, he was disappointed and unhappy with the Ferrari, so he says, I will build my own car, and the rest is history. When you met him, did he still drive an early 350 GT, or did he, was he the kind of guy that would drive the latest and greatest production cars that came off the Lamborghini assembly line? Well, let's say let's say the story how we started building the car is a very interesting story, and I can tell you that it's exactly true what happened because because when Ferruccio Lamborghini started his career, let's say of industrial in our area, producing tractors, you know, after after the war he started produce, producing tractors and he became a very wealthy industrial. And I remember that he bought two Ferrari, one for him and one for his wife. I think it was a, I remember a white one and a black one. 
And then Ferruccio Lamborghini, when when a big important customer used to come to the tractor company to sign contract, he was used to take those those customer uh, around on a Ferrari. And Ferruccio Lamborghini was playing with the car, with the clutch, and he was spinning tire, and he, he was damaging the clutch a lot of time. You know, a lot of time he damaged the clutch. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's interesting because he, he told me many times that he was used to bring the car at Ferrari service in Maranello to replace the clutch, paying, of course, a lot of money. And uh, one day... He decided to have the clutch repaired at the tractor company where it was a mechanic, old mechanics, you know, with experience and competence, and they disassembled, they removed the engine and the transmission from the from the Ferrari. And this mechanic, a good friend of mine, found out that the pressure plate and the disc clutch of the of the of the assembly was the same part fitted on a small tractor, on a small Lamborghini tractor. So this friend of mine, mechanic, called Ferruccio Lamborghini, which was upstairs at the office, and they show him the burnt, damaged clutch of his Ferrari and the new clutch of the tractor. And Ferruccio Lamborghini started yelling, and, you know, I don't want to repeat <laughs> what he was used to say, because he said, well, I paid so much money for this clutch, and uh, the same clutch cost to me one cent, and they paid 1000 to my competitor. So he started yelling, and uh, he told many times that one day he met, he met Enzo Ferrari, and, you know, the two guys started discussing, and uh, Ferruccio Lamborghini told him, you built your beautiful cars with my tractor parts. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, Enzo Ferrari, was, he was very upset, and he told him, you are a tractor driver and you are a farmer. You shouldn't complain driving my beautiful car. So the two guys started, you know, fighting like kids. <laughs> and Ferruccio Lamborghini told him, I will show you how to make nice and reliable sports car. And after a couple of months, he started founding Lamborghini Automobili, which was, uh, which is still 20 minutes away, 20, 25 minutes, minutes away from Maranello in our area. Oh wow! This is the real story of the of the complaint of the complaint about Ferruccio Lamborghini and and uh, Enzo Ferrari. You know, both genius, I would say, both unique people on those days. And uh, and uh, Ferruccio Lamborghini told this story to me and to journalists many, many times. And this mechanic, good friend of mine, who unfortunately passed away a long time ago, he told me the same story when he was disassembling the clutch on the Ferrari. So I have, I have to say that I believe that this is a real story, a real true story. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, now tell us how you became the factory test driver for Lamborghini. And which, what was the first car you test drove? Uh, well, I became, I started as a mechanic in 68, you know, helping. You know, in those days it was still still apprentice, you know, still, uh, you know, young boys helping the mechanics, cleaning 
the tools, cleaning the floor, taking care of the mechanic, you know, kind of server to the old mechanic. And and one of my, let's say, duties, which I was supposed to do, was, was pushing out from the service department the cars uh, waiting to be serviced and then pushing, pushing, I'm saying, pushing the car inside that evening, me and a friend of mine. This was one of our, let's say, apprentice uh, um, um, job that we have to do. But, you know, after the first weeks of pushing, I started, I, I started, you know, driving the car instead of starting. I was st- turning the engine and, and driving the car. But instead of going from in and out, I was driving three, four times around the buildings. And I wasn't supposed to do that. And so, you know, they always told me, don't do that. We fire you, we fire you. But I was keeping driving because I enjoyed so much driving those cars around the building. So one day it was, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was the beginning of uh, 73. Yeah, 73. uh, They called me upstairs at the office and they said, well, this is uh, is my last time at Lamborghini because I'm sure they will fire me this time because I was still driving the car around the building. And the general director and, and Bob Wallace, which was my teacher, which became later my instructor, my teacher, they told me, we, since we keep driving the cars around the building and you are not supposed to do, we want to see if you have the attitude to become a test driver since we need to train two young test drivers. And this was for me, you know, the beginning of a new, uh, a new world. You know, I was expecting to be fired and, on a <laughs> and after a minute, they told me we will want to try if you have the attitude to become a test driver. And this is how the story started. I was eight months or a year with Bob Wallace, which was my instructor. And then September, uh, you know, I can't forget the day, September 5, 1973, at 10 o'clock in the morning, first time I was going out from the company with a brand new Mura SV, one of the last we produced in uh, in '73, and this was a black car with a white interior, and I still remember the chassis number, you know. <laughs> and uh, first time after months of training with uh, with uh, the poor Bob Wallace who passed away recently, I was on the road by myself with a Mura, and this was. Uh, uh, another day that I will never forget on my life. Wow. Now, tell us a little, take us on a little, if you were to take a test drive, you leave the factory, give us kind of like a little play-by-play of, of what you would do as a test driver. Where would you go and how long? Well, you know, the, the testing process of a production car, of a new car, was, let's say, take the car out of the production line, make the wheel adjustment, make the geometry check oil, check pressure, check everything, and make the car ready to be tested. And then the first, it was, let's say, three different tests, three times test. The first test was normally a setting of the brakes, the transmission, engine, just a general overview of the, of the performance of the, 
of you know if something was wrong or leaks or some something strange and uh, and then he was uh, coming back at the company and making an, a list of the of the let's say malfunctions getting repaired from the mechanic and then go out for a second test to check if everything was properly done and if everything was working this was normally a first uh, second test of the car and sometime in just in particular cases uh, i would say uh, also a third time for a total of uh, 150 160 kilometer 180 maximum more or less how fast was the Lamborghini Miura SV? <laughs> well, the Miura SV in uh, good condition of temperature, uh, weather, uh, um, 275-280 kilometer hour. I'm talking about kilometer hour. 275-280, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But it was a fast car on those days, very fast car. I, I, it was the fastest car, the fastest production car on those days, you know. The, uh, at, at, at how long, at what RPMs and how long could just could the uh, Lamborghini Mura sustain high speeds? Well, you know, we used to test the car on the, on the motorways because it was no speed limit, no traffic, and around, around Bologna or Modena there, on those days, motorways, no traffic at all. I mean, well, the important for us test drivers was to check if the engine has maximum power. I mean, not necessarily you have to go top speed with every car because after after a while you get experience and you immediately understand if the engine is performing the way it's supposed to do, even without going going over rifts or, or, or maximum of the power. You know, you feel immediately when you're sitting and driving the car what's wrong and uh, if it's necessary to, let's say, go deeper on the test. Does the Mura have a very special place in your heart? Because it's it's probably the most... It's it's really the I, I, other than it's, it's the most look it's the neatest looking Italian sports car timeless to this day. It is absolutely the most gorgeous Italian sports car. A sports car period. I mean, I'm impressed with it. The world's impressed with it, and obviously everybody is because the car just sold for two point one million dollars at uh, RM this past weekend. So, is that a very special car for you? Well, uh, um, yes, yes, definitely yes, because. Well, first thing, a Lamborghini Miura made, uh, made, uh, uh, wrote a, a page on the car history. Miura, Miura, even on those days, and even more today, is extremely appreciated and evaluated car. Uh, I remember, I remember when the Miura came out and we used to test the car around Modena and meeting my colleague, test driver from our competitors, you know, Maserati, Ferrari, De Tommaso, on those days, everybody was inviting me driving a Miura and everybody wanted me to share, <laughs> to share the Miura with, with other models, you know. And, uh, well, apart that, uh, uh, Miura, you, Miura is, is like my, uh, it's, it's my first love. You know, I started testing a Miura. I became a test driver with a Miura. And, uh, you know, you can't forget uh, your first love, your first day driving a Miura. You know, I was 22 years old. 
How can you forget? I mean, Miura is under uh, also my emotional point of view. Uh, my my favorite, my best car, you know, my first love. Uh, that makes perfectly good sense. Uh, Valentina, we're just about out of time, but I want to sit there and, and, and invite you to come on the show again. We can talk more and more about Lamborghini because a lot of people are Lamborghini enthusiasts. Would you be willing to do that the next time you come to the United States? Because you live most of the time in Italy, and you come to the United States, what, five, ten times a year? Well, yes. Uh, I still travel a lot, <laughs> even if, uh, let's say, in brackets, retired. They still have uh, a lot of things to do. I am going to events. I am uh, taking care of uh, restoration of vintage Lamborghini. Uh, I mean, I'm very happy because now I am in America for a few events going on. And uh, and but anyway, I am delighted, and I will be happy to talk to you again as much as you want. And uh, okay, and telling you a lot of stories, whatever, whatever, because I think there are millions of beautiful stories. Absolutely. All right, I want to thank my special guest. Valentino Balbomi, factory team test driver for Lamborghini. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody, be sure to tell your friends to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Be sure and visit some of the car shows this week. National Bus Car Association, Bradyton Motorsports, Sebring, 12 hours this weekend. And everybody, show up to some of these car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. We'll see you at some of the car shows. Telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not hitting any record, you jump cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You jump cracker.